sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Is pushing the odds. Pushing the odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. What's up, guys? How are you? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Pushing the Odds here on Sports Grid Channel 204, the exclusive hour here on Sports Grid Channel 204 for Sirius XM. We welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. Come up and continue on until 2 o'clock today, Eastern Time. You can text the show 702-751-MAT. You can follow me on Twitter, Matt Peralt, at Sports Talk. Matt, if you would like to, got a lot of things to break down and get into today, including college basketball betting with our friend Jim Root from Three Man Weave. We got Texas Tech in West Virginia coming up today to get into that. We will talk a lot of football today as we look at the rumors. We talked about these rumors yesterday about Russell Wilson and he might be on the move. Talking to the Dan Patrick show this morning, Russell Wilson saying, you know, teams are calling about me. And that goes to what I've heard and to what I've been told that there are some teams who are very, very serious about acquiring Russell Wilson. And one of those teams might be the New Orleans Saints. And we'll see what their interest level will be, what they've got to do to get Russell Wilson from Seattle, and whether or not Seattle would be willing to trade inside the conference Russell Wilson. Now, there's some big contract concerns and issues going on with New Orleans. So that's one reason why people are saying, well, maybe due to the salary cap issues that New Orleans is having, Maybe they could put together a package, not really including any, uh, any, any draft picks because the Saints draft picks aren't going to be that great. But maybe there's some talent you put together and maybe it's, I don't know, Michael Thomas. His time might be out. His time could have run its course. Some people are thinking that that might be a, a change for the good for both. I mean, there could be some mega deals done this offseason in the NFL that we've never really seen before. So with how much quarterback movement we're expecting to see and teams that are in salary cap hell, I'm really curious. This is going to be a lot of fun to get into it to see what's going to happen. At 40 past this hour, we're going to talk to Jackson Coward from The Score and The Score Bet a bit about what's happening tonight in the NBA, take a look at some of the news and notes and where kind of we are here with betting. Last night, I didn't do great. I only bet one NBA game last night, and the Wizards were able to beat the Bulls. I laid the two points with the Bulls, who nearly had a chance to come back and win that game, but then they didn't, so that's really unfortunate. I've been very good at hockey, but one of my bets in hockey today is off the board, which I'm kind of annoyed about. Three, uh, sorry, uh, it was a three-in-one night last night with two games I got right in the NHL, but then the the Capitals and the Penguins game, according to beat reporters, that game has been postponed due to COVID-19 issues, which is really, really annoying because that game, I bet the over on that game, and I really liked it after what happened in the first matchup. You know, these two... Um, you know, these two people, the two teams rather, really don't play much defense. They score a lot, and, you know, they were coming through on uh, the Super Bowl with a 7-4 to victory for, I believe it was Washington on that. But we'll get uh, a replacement going. I'm looking around maybe the Creighton Blue Jay game. I may have a play on that coming up here. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. Okay, so there's a lot of fallout from what has happened with the Super Bowl. There's a lot of reflecting going on with the Super Bowl. 
We'll spend a little time today. I want to talk. I normally don't get into this argument. I try to stay away from arguments that don't have really a definitive answer. And this is why, for those of you who might be new to pushing the odds, why I started this show over four years ago was because I was tired of the hot takes. I was tired of arguing about LeBron and Michael. I was tired of arguing who's the greatest, who's not. But there's a new argument that's popped up on social media that I find interesting that Tom Brady's getting ripped on in some ways because he plays a team sport and that calling Tom Brady the greatest athlete in American sports history is somehow disrespectful because of what we've seen from from black athletes, the individual black athletes, the Tigers, the Muhammad Ali's. And, and I find that to be kind of crazy because if you go back and look at the overall careers, LeBron James plays a team sport. Tom Brady plays a team sport. Team sports, to me, and we'll get into this later in the hour, but team sports, to me, are so much more difficult to win titles in. You have to rely on your teammates so much more than yourself. Serena Williams, I'm not trying to disrespect Serena Williams, but when you are a great athlete and you rely on yourself, sure, there is the other side of the coin that your defense can win you games and your teammates can win you games. I understand that. But there's no interpersonal communication. There's no issues in the locker room. There's no problems. It's you and you alone out there. Now, that can be very lonely, and that can be problematic because there's no one to blame. If you lose, there's no one to point to. There's no kicker to point at. There's no defensive lineman that was offsides. There's none of that when you're playing uh, in a, a sport like golf or tennis. But I think it's far more easy to dominate in boxing, in tennis, in golf, than it is with a team sport to what LeBron James has done, to what Tom Brady has done, to what Wayne Gretzky did in his day. I mean, just go through it. David Ortiz with the Red Sox. Like, incredible clutch players who make incredible plays, individual plays in team sports, who are always the leader in the locker room to lead your team to greatness. That's part of being an all-time great. That's part of being an all-time, you know, top five athlete ever. And I'm not saying this to downplay Serena or Muhammad Ali or Tiger. I just think this argument, we'll get into it later. I'll read you some tweets that are out there on the internet that I just don't understand this, that Brady getting propped up somehow is disrespectful to individual sport athletes. We'll do that. we got four big stories. Our big four gets to you next. It's Pushing the Odds on SportsGrid, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. 702-751. Matt is our text line, 702-751-6288. So we're going to talk a little bit about college basketball later in the show. As I mentioned, you got the West Virginia Texas Tech game, which is a really going to – that's a real big one. Looking forward to that. Baylor being shut down is a, is a really big deal, and it's just – I – I'm not going to get angry with the committee at all when it comes to how they're going to see the NCAA tournament. Just having the tournament is great. 
there's going to be questions about Ohio State's outside shooting and should they be a number one seed. And Alabama has played really poorly down the stretch, so should Bama be even in consideration for a number one seed after losing to Missouri? By you know they came back and made that a game, but they were down big in that game. And Bama's at in action again tonight, so we'll be you know following that game along. They're only laying six points tonight, but I just I'm not trusting Alabama on the road right now against South Carolina. I know it's a five and seven South Carolina team, but on the road, Alabama's not looked good. So I'm going to stay away from Bama laying points on the road. But it's, you know, where the committee is going to have to come up with this and, like, teams that have been shut down, teams who have schedules that aren't that great, it's going to be hard. I mean, this committee, I guarantee people are going to get mad. They're going to argue about why this, why that. But, I mean, so many brand names may not make this thing. Duke... North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, Syracuse, all might be out of the NCAA tournament. If Gonzaga can't win the ring now, if they can't win a title in this season, my goodness, like this is it, okay? This is when you're supposed to win. If you're Gonzaga, and I don't know if they're going to lose to anybody in the regular season. I watched them last night. They were toying with BYU. Got a miracle cover. BYU was down by 11 points. Last second jumper from about eight feet, and they missed it. If that goes, BYU covers. Instead, I got the 10.5 cover last night. It was a monster sweat late night watching Gonzaga. And this is like one of those games just like, more on that here in just one second in the, in the big four. But I, I don't, I mean, it's all in one state. It's really all in one region for the tournament. So now we're not having travel. We're not having fans. There's no geographical benefit with the tournament this year. I mean, betting on the tournament this year is going to be really wild. I, I, I guess you, you could just say bet Baylor or bet Gonzaga to win it all and just sit back and hope that Chalk wins And because they've been the two best teams. But now Baylor's being shut down for COVID, and they're not going to play for like a month. So, I, I mean, it's really going to be tough here. A lot of people are coming around on Illinois and I, I, I'm not hating on it. I mean, Illinois is playing really, really well right now. Kofi's such a big force down low. They got some great guard play. I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think Illinois very much is alive potentially to make the Final Four, if not win the whole darn thing. And Villanova, I'm still not sure about Villanova going into the year. I was so high on the depth of Villanova. But, you know, they've had their ups and downs with COVID. They've had their stop and start with COVID. And it's like, I don't feel like they've ever really been in a, in a, in a rhythm. They've got as much talent as Gonzaga and Baylor. They've got incredible coaching talent as well in Jay Wright. I'm just not sold in there yet here with Colin Gillespie's team to say, yes, they're going to be a Final Four team or a national championship team. And Ohio State is really interesting. They're very, very interesting. Offensively, they can straight up shoot. I mean, they can really, really shoot. And they're going to have some big games down the stretch where we're going to learn some more about Ohio State and just how great are they offensively and then how good are they defensively. Because offensively, they're really darn good. They're 16-4 and overall. They're 10-4 and in the Big Ten. And they've got a couple of really big games coming up against Indiana. Michigan, if it comes, if they come back, and then they end the year against Illinois before the Big Ten tournament, which is going to be a huge battle there for Ohio State, Illinois, and the Big Ten for seeding, for Big Ten seeding, for everything. So, really looking forward to that game coming up in a couple of weeks. But it's, you know, this is a tough year. 
to seed the tournament. This is going to be a tough year for everyone involved, but I'm just glad that we have the NCAA tournament after losing it last year. The NCAA simply could not afford to lose another tournament, given it's its number one moneymaker that funds so much other, th- so many other things besides just college basketball. But we start with our four big stories. We call this the big four, the, the, the big four here. And the Super Bowl and the win for the Bucks, it continues to sink in. Rob Gronkowski was at Disneyland uh, World yesterday, Land, Disney World yesterday in Orlando. Tom Brady has won his seventh championship. And well, the team's got some questions. There's some players who have free agencies coming up and some defensive players that might need raises. And it sounds like Michael uh, Mike Evans is willing to redo his contract to keep some of those defensive players around. But all in all, an incredible season, a tremendous victory, and we're just beginning to reflect upon what the Bucks just did. Bruce Arians yesterday on how special this season was. I think the commitment to each other. This thing started in August, and it was all about sacrifice and commitment to each other. We had to beat the virus before we could beat another team. And I can't say enough about our guys' commitment to each other. And this is one of the closest teams I've ever been on, and we couldn't eat together. We couldn't talk to each other. I mean, for them to care this much about each other and not the bonding experience somehow happened. And I'm still trying to figure out how, because under the pandemic, this was so, so hard of a year for a team to be close. And this is one of the closest teams I've ever been on. So where does this title rank for Brady out of the seven he's won? I think you could say it's the most impressive given everything that this team overcame. It's the year one, new offense, new teammates, bringing in guys like Gronk and Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette. And then the road to the Super Bowl, beating Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. But Brady doesn't really rank his victories. I said last night, you know, every every game, every year is different. You know, this year has been so, it's been incredible for me. I It's just been incredible. So I... It's great. That's that's where I rank it. It's great. It's been a great year and uh, incredibly, I mean, just fun. I just, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think in a unique way, it was kind of like uh, with, with the coronavirus situation and, and all the protocols, it was really like football for junkies, you know? There was not really a lot of other things to do other than show up to work and play football. There was, you know, normally there's a lot of other things that go along with playing football. So if you love football, you know, this was the year to be a player in the NFL because that's all it was. It was like football camp with all your buddies year round. So that was, I really enjoyed that part. Number three, the reigning defensive player of the year in the NFL really wants to feel how Tom Brady is talking about. He wants to experience a victory, a championship. With new quarterback Matthew Stafford now in Los Angeles, Aaron Donald is motivated to go get that one thing that he has not experienced in the NFL, a title. Well, it's a blessing. Like I always say, I always say the same stuff. You know, um, anytime you're rewarded for the body of work you put in and, and people notice that, you know, you're going to be happy about that. You know, you're, you're accomplishing great things, building to a legacy, you know, but um, never satisfied, you know. So um, I know I still got a lot of work to do, um, a lot of room for improvement. And, and like I said, you know, the ultimate goal is to be, you know, holding that trophy up. And, 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 and that's what we're chasing. That's what I'm chasing. That's what I want to accomplish. And, until I accomplish that, you know, I ain't going to be too satisfied with nothing. So, More on college basketball coming up in the next hour. Jim Root from Three Man Weave. But the Zags over, hung on to cover that 10.5-point line last night against BYU. But they were never in jeopardy of losing the game. They've been dominant all year long. Mark Few on where his team is right now. 
I think we kind of got on the way to solving some of them tonight. You know, BYU is is huge, and uh, we've been worried about our interior defense a little bit. And and I thought Drew Timmy and and uh, uh, Anton Watson, and even when uh, uh, Corey ended up down there a little bit, were as good as they've been uh, all year. So that that was something that I you know, was concerned about. And then you know, in our last couple games, Scott, we we haven't quite been playing at the pace we were earlier in the year right right uh you know we showed the guys some clips and we, we we played at that pace tonight so i was happy happy with that mark few on espn it's pushing the odds seven zero two seven five one matt is our text line seven zero two seven five one six two eight eight next we'll talk about team sports versus individual sports it's an interesting art argument i don't get into these very often but i think when it comes to brady and number seven and looking forward to the future, I think it's a good talk to get into here before Jackson Coward comes on talking betting in the NBA tonight in the association. Much more to come. Don't move. It's pushing the odds. Channel 204 for Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. This is a topic I don't normally get into because there's no resolution to it. And I've talked about the the point of pushing the odds when it was started four years ago. The point of this radio program was because I was tired of getting into arguments that could not be determined and decided within a very short period of time. What I mean is, when I tell you a team's going to win, I'm like Tampa plus three and a half. I'm saying that on Friday. By Sunday, I know by Monday I'm on the show, I'm on the air talking about what just happened. So there's a resolution to the comment. I'm either right or wrong. One of the two. So you can't really prove anybody wrong based upon an opinion on an athlete that does not play a game versus a historic a historical figure. Like Tom Brady's never playing up against Muhammad Ali. So you can't so the argument as to whose career is more impressive, there's no resolution. You're just chasing your tail. You're running around in circles. But even with that said, there is something that came up last night that I I was kind of taken aback by. And this is from Bree Newsom, who I've never really heard before heard of before, but she has a half a million followers on Twitter. So I'm guessing she's an activist. She says she's an activist, someone who's been involved a lot in, in it looks like sports politics and the in a in, in the racial conversation going on in our country. And her tweet storm last night was sort of awkward about Tom Brady and what Tom Brady just accomplished. I'm just going to read you some of the tweets and then get into it. She said, first of all, I don't know where folks got the idea that we judged athleticism based upon number of trophies or rings someone has, especially in the case of team sports. Secondly, Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams all have more significant victories over an extended time in solo sports. I'm legit not saying this just to shade Tom Brady, but folks are way out of the pocket with this greatest athlete conversation. Tom Brady is statistically one of the greatest quarterbacks in a league that consistently denies black athletes an opportunity to play quarterback to this day. That's a debate, by the way, a big debate. You want to talk about African-American hiring for head coaches? I'm going to listen. African-Americans to play quarterback in the NFL? Not really going to listen. 
That's the most accurate description of his position in both the NFL history and the position of the NFL relative to sports history overall. There's an enormous amount of racial undertone to this entire conversation about Brady being the best athlete of all time in a way that willfully ignores black athletes past and present, as well as the ongoing systematic discrimination against black athletes in the quarterback position. Okay, there is like so many loaded statements in that that like just I just need to like take a second to take it all apart. First, you're talking about a league right now that is being run by Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. I mean, look at I I'm 43 years old. I grew up Doug Williams becoming the first African American quarterback to win the Super Bowl. I remember this conversation that African Americans couldn't play the quarterback position, okay? I've been told when I lived in Alabama, I was told by people in Alabama that an African American could not play quarterback at Alabama and win a national championship. Why? They weren't smart enough verbatim, okay? I've seen this I, I I get the I get the anger. I get the the frustration about the historical conversation about the black quarterback in America. But we have for the most part, we have moved past that conversation. We are still woefully behind hiring African Americans to be head coaches in the NFL for a league that is primarily black. Totally understand that, okay? I totally get the anger and the problems, and the league itself has stated that they need to do a better job. How are they going to do that? I would like to find out. But there are big problems with allowing African-American head coaches or giving them big-time positions and big-time coordinator jobs, i.e. Eric Bieniemy and whatnot. However, team sports versus individual sports. Tiger Woods, I made this tweet last night, but Tiger Woods never handed a lead to a defense on the 16th hole of the Masters, only to watch them blow it. For two times, Tom Brady left the field against the Giants with the lead, handed the ball to the defense, and said, stop Eli Manning, and he couldn't do it. And they lost. Tom Brady's got seven championships. He could have nine Okay, he could have nine. There's no defense. There's no reliance. You could also say, Matt, wait a minute. If Adam Vinatieri misses the kick against the Raiders, if Adam Vinatieri misses the kick against the Rams, well, then maybe he doesn't even win one. And then who knows what happens with Brady? Maybe the Patriots go back to Drew Bledsoe and the aura, the entire career of Tom Brady doesn't happen in New England. Okay, maybe there's something to be said for that. So you can rely on your players. But team sports are about personalities and about gelling and leadership. There's none of that in in individual sports. It's all about you. You become myopic. You can become self-destructive. But for the most part, you are the entire everything. You are the corporation. So it's your way or the highway. Look Look how Tiger Woods behaved. Look what led to Tiger Woods' downfall. He didn't have a team around him. If Tiger had teammates, they may have smacked him upside the head and said, what are you doing right now? Who are you associating with? Where are you going to Vegas? What are you doing in Vegas? You're going to get caught. And when you get caught, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really ugly for you when all this stuff eventually does come out about the behavior you have. There's no one to answer to. Once Tiger's father passed away, there was no one to answer to. He did whatever he wanted to do. So this idea that team sports, it's easier, it's more difficult, and quote, more significant victories over an extended time in solo sports, what are you talking about? Tom Brady's been playing at an elite level. He's gone to the Super Bowl in over half of the, of the seasons he's played in. Extended period of time. 
Brady's been in the league for 20 years. He's the oldest player ever to play in the Super Bowl, and he just won the Super Bowl. Like, this is, you're just looking here because Brady's, and this is, okay, my own personal opinion, but you don't like this because people are saying that Tom Brady, a white guy, may be the greatest U.S. athlete of all time. Okay, I'm not looking at Brady as a white guy. LeBron's in this conversation, okay? And you can make a case that LeBron's got it more, or Michael's got it more than Brady. But Brady's in this conversation, and it's more difficult to win championships in team sports than it is individual sports. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion, and I believe it's more difficult to have to rely on other people versus yourself. When you're an elite athlete, when you're at the top of your game, when you're the best of the best, there's no one that can let you down. There's nobody that cannot live up to your standard because your standard is yourself, and that's it. There's nobody else on your roster that can make a mistake that could blow something for you. Because if you lose, it's all on you. You're looking in the mirror, and that's the team. You could say there's more pressure on an individual sport, and I would probably agree with that. But it's more difficult to win on a team level because you have a coach. For LeBron, he's got four other players on the court with him. They have to play defense. They have to play as a unit. He has to be a leader. Leadership skills are difficult. Muhammad Ali didn't lead anybody. Serena Williams never led anybody. Tiger Woods never led anybody. Michael Jordan led a team, and we saw it with the last dance, right? (laughs) You either live up to my standards or get away from me. Same thing with Brady. Live up to my standards. Here's the bar. I'm setting the bar for all of us to go and get it. We all have to go and get it. We all have to live up to this. It's more difficult to ask somebody to do something that they may not be willing or able to do on their own and show that leadership. What LeBron has had to do in multiple stops to go back to Cleveland, to go and have everything that he's had in his career in Los Angeles now, winning the championship, getting Anthony Davis to come over, taking a youngster and showing him how to win championship basketball games, how to be elite, not just great, but elite. Brady, same thing, coming in, teaching players around him to be elite. This has got nothing to do with race, by the way. This is not a racial conversation when it comes to Tom Brady. I don't understand how, just because... You're, you're angry about the historic nature of the NFL? Okay, the NFL's history is awful. You can separate the two. You can talk about Brady and what Brady has accomplished and then talk about the incredible problems that the NFL has had with the majority of white owners and Colin Kaepernick, and I have been on the side of Colin Kaepernick for the entire time about the blackballing nature of what they've done to that man and ruined that man's career because of the things they didn't like he was standing for, which now they're in support of, by the way, and Roger Goodell said it last week. They thanked the issues and topics brought up by Colin Kaepernick, yet there's not a job for Colin Kaepernick in the NFL right now. So, like, this argument about you can't put Tom Brady in the conversation as one of the greatest American athletes is just myopic. Like, you just don't like it because he's white. Like, I mean, there's no other way of saying that. Like, you have to look at this and say, I'm not, by propping up Brady, I'm not discounting Tiger. I'm not discounting anyone else in America that might be doing things at an elite level. I'm not trying to take away from LeBron's greatness, not by any means. I'm not trying to take away. I mean, think about it. LeBron was able to take his career, his talents, and go in at multiple locations. That's really hard to do. It's really, really hard to to go to different places. Someone that's drafted you, developed you, cultivated you, and then you leave. 
and you go in with a whole new organization and a whole new group of people to go win a championship. You know how hard that is to do? LeBron James done it multiple times in Miami and in Los Angeles. Brady now does it with the Bucks. In football, we didn't think that was possible. And now Brady is doing what LeBron has done by doing that, taking your greatness elsewhere and propping up, elevating, and creating an environment for greatness. You can have this debate, LeBron versus, versus Brady. I, I'm, I'll have it. Sure. Let, let's, let's talk about it. You can break it down if you want as the greatest American athlete of all time. I'll go with football because there's more players on football, and it's harder to win in football because there's a salary cap and everything else that goes into football. But you can, if, you, if you think it's LeBron, I'm not angry with you if you think LeBron's the greatest U.S. athlete of all time. But what is that? <laughs> like That argument makes no sense to me about Tiger, Serena, and Muhammad Ali because of Brady hasn't done it over a long enough period of time? What? Oh, boy. All right. No. Very strange stuff coming up. We've got a lot more to come here. See Jackson Coward on the NBA for betting tonight next year. I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Pushing the odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, we talked to C. Jackson Coward before the Super Bowl. A little bit about football betting. We're talking NBA betting with him right now here on Pushing the Odds. C. Jackson, Matt Peralt, how are you, bud? Doing good. How you doing? I'm great. How did Super Bowl betting go for you? Uh, I would have went better if I uh, went with the Bucks. Like I think you and I both had in our gut. But uh, other than that, not too bad. If if I hadn't played uh, the anthem before the tip came out, it would have been a little bit better. But you know, I can't complain. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that went? Do you think they did that on purpose? What, what leaking it and then pulling it, or I don't know, no, man. Pra- that whole... practicing it quicker than it, or, or sure, yeah, practicing it quicker than what it all what ultimately went off as. Well, I, I don't know what tip you got. I got 214 as my tip, and I clocked it at 214. I just couldn't act on it. So, Okay, so, said, all right, so it came in exactly what you thought? Because I thought everyone was playing the under, and then it came in on the over. Uh, well, I, I got a couple days before I had a guy be like, hey, you know, I, I hope you didn't bet the under because this thing is 214, 215. And, of course, I had written 1,300 words about the under. So, you know, you win some, <laughs> you lose some, I guess. <laughs> I hear you. All right, so the NBA is dealing with some, you know, obviously the COVID-19 stuff. The NHL is going through their own problems right now, trying to get COVID in another game with the Capitals and the Penguin, uh, Capitals and the Flyers mm-hmm. today uh, were postponed. But in terms of betting on, on the league, when do you place your bets? Do you wait right before the games go off, or do you feel comfortable betting overnight? I've been doing mostly overnight. Um, you know, it, it's tough a lot of times when I'm checking, only half of these games are up probably because of the hesitancy of not knowing who's going to play or not. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's so random which players might be out and not that, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get screwed or I'm going to benefit 50-50 from that, right? So I'd rather yeah. kind of trust my intuition on the number the night before. And if I lose a game because of that, I'm probably going to win another game because of it a few days later. So I'm trying not to let that affect me too much and just, you know, go with my process. But, uh, you know, it's frustrating when these ones get canceled or, you know, anybody that tried to bet that Nets game with Durant going in and out like that, that stuff's frustrating, but I kind of just 
try to keep doing what I'm doing because I think I'll I'll win and lose, uh, you know, randomly about the same in that regard. How do you handle the Nets? They're on the road tonight against the Pistons. They're laying six and a half across the board uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook. You got six and a half minus one fourteen right now for the Nets on the road at a five and eighteen Pistons team, but it's. You know, every game it's either Durant's in and or Harden's out or Harden's in and Kyrie's out. It just feels like it's really hard to know what roster the Nets are going to put out there every night. Yeah, I feel like it shows too, right? Because they're not playing to the level that you would expect from this team, either you know, straight up or against the spread. I got lucky and I got nine last night on the Pistons, so I went ahead and took that. Just for whatever reason, the Pistons are one team. You and I have talked before about how double-digit favorites are killing it yeah. this year for, against every team except for the Pistons. You know, and the Pistons play the Seventy Sixers tight, they play the Lakers tight, they play the Bucks tight. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. So maybe that's a poor logic deal with the Pistons here, but I just feel like. You know, whatever. I don't know what what the coaching staff is preaching or what the players' motivations are, but it seems like they get up for games like this and then let down for the rest. So, uh, I think it's too many points at six, six and a half. I still might play the Pistons uh, at that if I hadn't bought earlier, just because, like you said, this Nets team still still trying to figure out its cohesion, and I'm not expecting it to be here on a road game against you know an Eastern Conference team that there is really no stakes for the Nets here. For the first time in a while, the, the total in this game is under 230 for the Nets. It's 229.5. It's just minus 110 on both sides at the FanDuel Sportsbook. How do you feel about riding the overs still with these Nets teams, with this Nets roster, given the inconsistency as who's in the game and who's not? I mean, I'd like it a lot more if Durant was in the game, right? right. Um, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're picking two of these three. Uh, and you're trying to place the over, but I don't think I'd pick the two that aren't Durant. Uh, I was looking a bit last night. It's kind of interesting the way that the Nets play when Durant is off the court. It's a lot of Kyrie, and I think uh, Harden's usage rate when Durant's not on the floor and Kyrie is under 20%. So for whatever reason, the Nets just kind of ride through Kyrie, and Harden ends up being the one that's uh, that's watching from the side. So that doesn't make me feel great if I'm an over better. Uh, I've I don't really have the gumption to bet the under on the Nets unless they're missing all three or two of three, but uh, but I, I won't be placing an overbet even if this total drops a little bit more. Jackson, I'm waiting for the Warriors to turn the corner here and play a bit more consistently. So I bet the over 36 wins for them. They're pretty much right on that. They're 12 and 12 on the year so far. So pretty much mm-hmm. 36 wins is a 500 record, and they're 500 right now. They lost last night to the Spurs. They're right back out of here tonight on a back to back. They're again catching one point. They're catching a point last night, and they lost to the Spurs, and they're now catching a point tonight. Are are you avoiding the second game on back to backs, or is there a side you look to play when the two teams play again the next day? Yeah, I was actually just looking that up, actually, trying to figure out if there was an edge on that, because there's two games that uh, that, that is in play for tonight, the Warriors-Spurs and the Heat game. Uh, it, there's there's not much there. Uh, I think the Warriors are in a decent spot. If you're, if you it, traditionally this year and years before, if you lose that game close, then it's you know you're you're supposed to uh, you know keep it close the next time. You want to play the team that lost the first time. But you know I think it's all kind of up in the air. I am on the Warriors tonight just because I do think they're a, a slightly better team than the Spurs, and the line doesn't really reflect it. But I don't know how to feel about these Warriors either. I was down on them entering the year. I just didn't think the defense was going to be there. And the numbers have been okay, but if you look at their three-point defense, it's a little bit fluky. Uh, Seth Parnell, the Athletic, uh, tweeted a really good thread a few weeks ago just kind of showing who's faced bad offenses and what we might expect to regress. And the Warriors had faced one of the easiest slates. So I do think their defense is going to fall off a little bit, which is, you know, we've seen what Warriors teams with bad defenses look like. But Steph is looking as good as he basically ever has. I think Steve Kerr said that the other day. So 
I like them in situations like this when they're they're underdogs, they're playing a team that's not great, but um, you know, I'm not confident in them to like secure a playoff spot. Or if you're holding the ticket like you are for the win totals, you're probably gonna have to sweat that out till the end. Oh, I think it, would, it may come down to the last game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, way, I think it might. Come the, <laughs> it may come all the way down to the final final game day of the regular season if they can get to 37 wins or not. Mm-hmm. How they've played inconsistently. Speaking of inconsistency. The Boston Celtics are 12 and 10. I uncovered Jackson in kind of a weird, fluky trend that it, it, the, the sample size isn't that big. But Ooh, over me. the last over the last 11 games, when the Boston Celtics on the road have been underdogs, the over is eight two and one hitting. So mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm back on this tonight with the Celtics and the Jazz. Clearly, the Jazz can score. They're 19 and five. They're one of the best, if not the best team. I didn't check it this morning, but one of the best teams against the spread in the NBA. They're laying four, five, six points, depending on what you're going to do. But how do you feel about the total tonight with the Celtics and the Jazz going over 220 and a half? Yeah, I like that call. You mentioned against the spread, the Jazz. They are the best in the NBA at 17 and seven. So the play that I'm making tonight is I got the Jazz on the line. I just feel. Uh, you know, safer about that, but mm-hmm. I don't mind the over actually at all. I was looking into this. I do think the Celtics are going to have some trouble against the Jazz defense, just because uh, you know they can play off on Tatum and Brown. We know that Tatum uh, isn't necessarily the most aggressive scorer inside, and uh, you know, kind of trying to force him on the perimeter and then make him run into Gobert is not exactly the game plan he's going to want to play. But mm. uh, but I do think you're right. The Jazz can score, and weirdly, like I didn't expect this Jazz team to be one of the most prolific three point shooting teams in the league. That's not how I profile them coming into the year. And that's essentially what they've been. They're scoring more of their points from deep than any other team. They're doing a lot of it off of the dribble, which is kind of bizarre. And the Celtics haven't been great against teams off the dribble. So I do think the Jazz could be in for a really potent night offensively. Uh, I I think that's going to mean that they they cover the spread and maybe suppress the Celtics' offense a little bit. But uh, if the Celtics have been scoring on the road, I think that's an interesting stat. Then you might just be looking at it over all around. Yeah, I think the Jazz, in terms of the way Boston defensively, the way they're playing, they need Marcus Smart tonight desperately. They clearly yeah. won't have him. But without him, I just think right now, that's why I'm riding until Smart comes back. And I think they're going to be, they know they can't stop teams, in particular teams like Utah with the backcourt that they've got. I, I just don't, I think Boston's going to know they're going to score and they're going to play more up tempo. And it hasn't worked so far. I mean, Boston's 12 and 10 so far. So clearly they need to figure some things out. But this West Coast yeah. swing that they're on is tough. Yeah, I think Mitchell could be a problem tonight. You're right. The Celtics need more. I think they've been masking uh, their defensive issues this year by just being really sound, right? And against teams that are just, you know, spot up shooting, they kind of know where to be. But when teams are creating, Boston just has nothing for that. So the Rockets and the Pelicans tonight, Pelicans are at home laying six. They've been one of the worst teams in the entire NBA against the numbers so far. A lot of people liking to bet Zion and betting on the Pelicans, and it's juiced up their numbers. The public likes betting on New Orleans, but the Rockets are an interesting team. I like this Rockets team since the Harden trade. I like the fact that they've got mm-hmm. players who want to be there. They're playing hard. I, what, do, what, do you, what do you make of the Rockets catching six points tonight? I like the Rockets uh, as constructed after the Harden trade with Christian Wood. I just, I'm such a big Christian Wood fan. Um, I think that his coming into the year, obviously everybody was screaming breakout, but I think it was, it was almost short selling the fact that he had already broken out. Um, And he's been remarkable. And without him, I just, cause he's officially out tonight, right? He's still out. uh, Johnny. Yeah. I just I, I played them uh, I played the Hornets against them on Monday because I thought odds makers weren't quite catching up to the fact that this team runs everything through their center uh, and, and we saw them score seven points in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying it's going to look like that against Pelicans, but uh, I I don't I can't take the points here on this team without Christian Wood. I just 
I don't think that this is the same team. I think they're missing a lot of their bite offensively um, and defensively, especially too. If you don't have that guy inside, I don't see the defensive stoppers on the Houston uh, roster right now. I know the Pelicans aren't anything scary, but uh, I'm, just, I'm fading the Rockets until Christian Wood comes back, and then I'm playing them because I love that team with Wood in there. I've got a minute left. One more game to get to. Sixers on the road tonight against the Kings. They're laying five and a half. Road favorites in the NBA have not been good, and the Sixers have been better than in recent years, but it's still a West Coast game against a team in Sacramento that's pretty good at home. How do you feel about the Kings catching five and a half, six points from the Sixers? Kings are good at home, but their defense is so bad. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Kings to kind of regress towards what we thought they are uh, talent-wise, and I'm not seeing it. And I'm wondering, you know, they've had little spurts, but they're still over the course of the year. And in matchups like this, they just fall apart. Um, I like the Sixers in the regular season a lot coming into the year. They've they've satisfied what I've needed from them when I bet on them. Uh, I haven't bet on this one yet. I'll probably look at it a little closer to tip to see if it gets where I want. But um, I, I think the Sixers are the play here. I can't really stomach betting the Kings unless it's a you know a bottom half team in the NBA they have to compete with. And the Sixers are certainly not that. Yeah, no way. And and I always my only thing with Philadelphia is the whole like is Embiid playing yes or no and they yep. yank him right right before the game too often. Yep. <laughs> Right? I mean, it's like yeah. you bet on him overnight, and you're like, okay, great, Philly. And then it's like, okay, and beads out with back stiffness. It's like, you got to yeah. be kidding me. It's, like, yeah. it's just that team makes me as angry as anyone when it comes to betting on them because of how they yank around and bead, whether he plays or not. So it's just, it's the NBA in 2021. Jackson, good stuff, my friend. Yeah, it's so annoying. Appreciate, appreciate it. The t- Thanks, man. Thanks, come on. <laughs> appreciate it. Let's see, Jackson Coward. Jumping on uh, at C. Jackson Coward, sports betting writer for the scores and score bet, joining us here on Pushing the Odds. So just kind of go over a couple things. If you're looking at the NBA tonight that, that, that he likes, he likes the Jazz minus six tonight. He likes the Sixers minus five and a half tonight. Looks at the Warriors uh, catching a point from the Spurs. The Pelicans minus six tonight. And then he's looking at the at the Pistons, but he got nine on the Pistons. The, the current consensus odd is six odds is six and a half. You would think the professionals have bought this down and the public when it comes time to bet in this game tonight with the Nets and the Pistons would look at that and say it's a five and eighteen team up against the fourteen and eleven Nets team. They might bet that back up for you. So you might get it you might get seven, you might get eight, you might get you know, you may want to wait a little bit. It's a 7 o'clock Eastern time tip, so you might want to wait on that one just a touch to see what you wind up getting. But the only NBA play I've got, I'm, I'm taking the Celtics and the Jazz and going with the over 220.5 for those two teams. we got more to come. 702-751. Matt is our text line. It's pushing the odds on a Tuesday. More to come. Don't move. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk to... Jim Root from Three Man Weave. We just did college uh, NBA basketball with Jackson Coward. We're going to do college basketball betting for tonight coming up here in a second. Uh, We are, uh, well, we'll get to some other things in the next hour, a bit about where we are here for the, for the, for the, what I'm betting on tonight in the next hour. But uh, ESPN's reporting that Patrick Mahomes is going to have surgery tomorrow on the turf toe that bothered him since the end of the regular season. 
Mahomes is expected to be a full go by training camp. That according to a source to ESPN, the NFL Network was the first one to report the surgery is going to happen for Patrick Mahomes. And clearly, he was able to play in the Super Bowl and be mobile in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was running around for his life, but he wasn't the typical Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't as fast as you would normally expect uh, him to be. And clearly, that's good for him to wind up getting that surgery taken care of. If I get sent this story one more time, I'm going to freak out. Listen, guys, if you're thinking that this dude, the streaker during the Super Bowl, actually bet $50,000 on a prop bet offshore that there'd be a streaker, if you think, one, that prop was even available, you're not paying attention. And two, if you think any book in the world is taking a $50,000 bet on whether or not there's going to be a streaker, don't you think the book would have been smart enough to realize that, wait a minute, could this guy actually do it himself? Because if he go, if he's going to the game and he places a bet for 50000 and he streaks, well, then he wins his bet. He goes to jail for the night, pays a small fine, and he wins a ton of money. 50K at seven, plus 750 is $375,000. That is not real. Okay, that is fake. Stop, stop sending it to me. Stop retweeting it. Stop talking about it with your buddies. That never happened. No book in the world took a $50,000 bet on whether or not there's going to be a streaker in the Super Bowl. It never happened. We welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience coming up next. Don't move. More to come. It's pushing the odds.